Hi, everybody. This is Michael Shepard with PerfectingPizza.com. I want to take a quick moment to invite you to check out our website, PerfectingPizza.com, and to tell you a little bit about our new program called The Pizza Coach. So for $99, you get all of the goodies of the website, plus you get access to ask us questions directly through a special online portal on the website. So if you want a second set of eyes on your pizzeria floor plan, dough recipe troubleshooting, opinion and direction through an employee situation, need somebody to give a quick review of your menu or maybe your P&L, that's what this program is for. It's somebody to lean on in the pizza industry. Also, want to do a special mention for one of our newest partners, Moving Targets. They do an amazing job with new resident mailers, direct mail, social media, and email marketing. I use them for many years in my pizzerias. So check them out at movingtargets.com. And also, if you are a member of perfectingpizza.com, and you sign up for Moving Targets, you get an exclusive $100 discount after you've used their services for three months. So you just need to go to perfectingpizza.com, log into your account, go to the partners section, click on Moving Targets, and send them an inquiry through the form on their page. And that is what initiates that $100 discount. Um, that's the only way to get it. You have to go through the, uh, the uh, page on the website, and you have to be a perfectingpizza.com member. And I encourage you to check that out. Hello, everybody. This is Michael Shepard, and I've got with me uh, here Silo Chapman. We are the founders of PerfectingPizza.com, and we are also two of the founding members of the World Pizza Champions. And you can find out more about us and our history at PerfectingPizza.com and WorldPizzaChampions.com. And we invite you to follow us on both Instagram and Facebook, and I believe it's both of those. Uh, both of those are going to be facebook.com forward slash World Pizza Champions or Perfecting Pizza. Um, same thing at Instagram. Um, we want to give you um, our two cents of the pizza industry, share some knowledge from our decades of operating our own pizzerias, answer your questions, and also bring in some great pizza operators from around the country to give us some great or give you some great insights, nuggets, and tidbits that will. We hope will help you operate a better and more profitable pizza business. So with that being said, Siler, would you like to introduce this week's uh, guest? Oh, I'm very excited about this. You know, I've, for the last probably year, I've been following this special person and on Instagram and social media, Facebook. Uh, she even has a crazy Snapchat channel. Um, but at the end of the day, this is the world famous Nicole Bean. So, Nicole, say hey to everybody. Hey guys, how are y'all? So, Nicole has been all over social media, and I was like, who is this girl? You know, she knows a lot of important people in the pizza industry, and she came out of nowhere. But from what I have found out, she makes phenomenal pizzas. And has been competing for a couple, how many years now, Nicole? Two, going on three this year, so I'm very excited. That is awesome. And Nicole, where I'm are you Houston, at? I'm in Texas, actually. Okay, you are in Houston. I am Houston. in Houston. Okay. And that's awesome. So we're very excited to talk to Nicole today and learn her adventure. Is it true that you've got two locations now? I have now? two locations. Yeah, we just relocated our original location into a larger facility. Wow. So I can't wait to hear more so about that. Maybe, so maybe it'd be exciting. helpful, Siler, if we asked her what the name of her pizzeria was. That'd be 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Gotta, I need that. Yeah, we got to have that information. I, I wasn't ready to give all that information up yet. Uh, so it's Nicole. What's it's the name called of your... uh, Pizarro's Pizza Napoleon. Oh, my brother came up with the name. It was Bizarre and Pizza, and so um, it just came into Pizarro. And uh, later on, we found out that there are actually people named Pizarro in Italy or Pizarros. So um, we are no longer oh, original, cool. I guess. <laughs> no, that's great. I mean, how long did it take to come up with a, oh, a God, good name like that? Just a couple months. I mean, like my dad, and my brother, like kept going like back and forth. They knew like they wanted it to be very much like an Italian kind of name because we started with Napolitano style pizzas. Um, so they, we, we'd gone through like, you know, a bazillion different things, like stupid things. And then my brother just was like, you know, we make really weird pizzas. And uh, he's like, why don't we call it Pizarro's? <laughs> and then it just kind of turned into Pizarro's. Wow. Oh, that's awesome. So that, you know, Mike, and, and before we get too deep into everything about Nicole that cannot, cannot bring up what, what, what bugs me right now. Yeah, there, there we go. That's nice. Just segue right into our next little thing here. Yeah. Tell, tell us, tell us. No, what because, because it's, it's taking and investing in the process it, it, and everybody rushes so fast. They think they can come up with a pizza name in two days and it's taken her months to come up with a really cool name that's stuck, and now she's building a brand about it. Everybody wants to rush the process of everything they do, from creating sales, their marketing plan, to um, rushing. Don't, they don't even want to do their food costs because it's just going right. to take too long or too much time. And that drives me crazy to not – if you know you're going to be in business more than 10 years, if you know you're going to be in business more than a year, you need to slow down and don't rush the process and invest in you and your brand and where you're headed. And I think that's a big piece that everybody's uh, 90% of oh, people are missing. Yeah, yeah, totally I totally agree. I mean, I agree. you yeah, you um uh you're you're investing. Most people are are investing everything they own. You know, they're they're taking out their life savings. They're they're borrowing from friends. They're putting their house up for collateral, and and something that mm-hmm. they expect to provide an income, a living, and hopefully grow into a you know a, a an empire. You know, sometimes, and and they they're like, oh, let's just come up with a name and let's just figure it out today, right now. And uh, you know, yeah, I mean, they 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 skimp on the process. It, it's yeah, right, right, absolutely. So that's that's my little nitpick today. <laughs> it's a good one. Hey, Rome wasn't built in a day, you know. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And um, what about you, Mike? What's been we going know, on um, with you? If if um, if you haven't checked it out already, you need to definitely check out the website pizzaquest.com. dot um, Our friend Peter Reinhardt uh, runs that site, and uh, every now and then I write an article for him. And I'm in the middle of putting together an article for him now. And, and, it's, and it's going to be titled, you know, The Downward Spiral of the Average Pizza Operator. So what I see a lot of time, you know, we, it's sad being in the, in the position where we are helping people in the pizza industry and speaking at conventions. We see 
you know, it's almost a 50, 50, half the people we talk to are amazing people that are, you know, um, building great businesses like Nicole. And the other half are people that are hanging on by their fingernails, ready to go out of business. They've lost everything. You know, their family has left them. They're probably getting ready to look at a divorce, a bankruptcy. And so you've got, you, you, it's sad, but we end up dealing with so many people that are in this downward spiral and they don't even realize that they, it's, it's like a self uh, fulfilling prophecy. And, and it's, it, it starts off by the operator is like, you know, their sales aren't where they aren't, aren't where they need to be. And they're, they're, you know, you know, they're, they're just not doing really well and things are getting a little tight. So the first thing they do is they, they, um, they start cutting back on their, their marketing. They're like, you know what? I mean, I'm just not bringing in as much money. Something's got to give. I'm going to cut my marketing back. But what happens when you cut your marketing back? Your sales drop. Okay. So your sales drop because you cut your marketing. All right. So now what are you going to do? Well, you know what? I've got too many people standing around. Um, I can't afford to pay everybody because my sales are down because I cut my marketing. So I'm going to cut my labor. Okay. What happens when you cut your labor? Your service suffers. So now your service stinks <laughs> because you're not, you know, you don't have enough drivers. You don't have enough pizza makers. So after that happens, now, you know, people experience, you know, an hour long delivery when, when, you know, when you used to be able to do deliveries in 30 to 40 minutes, pickups are taking uh, 30 minutes instead of the old 15. So what happens when that happens? You know, people stop ordering, they go somewhere else. All right. So now, your sales are down again. So where do you have to cut this time? Well, you've already cut your labor. You cut your marketing. You got to start looking at your products. All right. So you used to use Grande cheese. Now you got to switch over to brand X. All right. You used to use, let's say, Iso pepperoni. You got to switch over to brand X, you know, and you used to use Stanislaus. Now you got to switch over to brand Y. And so now your pizza is not as good as it used to be. So now here you are all the way, you know, from where you started when things started slipping, you've come all the way down to where you now, you know, you used to have a good product and maybe, maybe the economy was just had a hiccup. Maybe, you know, you had a new competitor come into town. Maybe sales were just going through a slump, but you put yourself in this position and you just, you just brought it all down on top of yourself because of your own actions you know, and now right. you have a bad pizza, you have bad service, and you have no customers, all because you started mm. you started that down. You started circling the drain, and you just couldn't pull out of it. That's right. a challenge. And and they didn't save for a rainy day. That's true. Yeah, I, I see so many people that that um, uh, instead of of doing what they need to do and do the, put the extra work in, invest more in perfecting their their craft, mm -hmm. invest more in um, better product, better service, and doing the hard things. They look at they, they try and take that easy route. You know, then we're gonna. It's easy to cut your marketing. It's easy to cut labor. It's easy to switch to cheaper products. It's hard to get yourself out there to market more. It's hard to invest in giving better service. It's hard to to learn how to make a better pizza. And so they just go the, the easy route. And it's sad. It's really sad. And I just I've seen it a lot here lately. And uh, yeah, just wanted to kind of bring that up. Yeah. No, I yeah. like it. Like I mean, it a lot. 
one thing that's kind of bothering me and, and especially here in Houston, I've seen it happen over the last, you know, year and a half is the opposite of what you're talking about, Michael, is that we have all of these pizzerias that are coming up and even just other, you know, kinds of restaurants that are popping up. They've got all these investors. I, I won't specifically name any, but, you know, two big hitters that came into town have closed up shop within the, you know, last two, three years because, they can't they can't make money they're they've got all these investors they've got all this money thrown into it the marketing the equipment the whatever it is and they've lost sight of what really matters and it's the product there's a consistency in product and they've lost all of their ability to focus on that because they're so all over the place they switch their you know head chefs because you know product X isn't working. So they want to, you know, bring somebody new in and try products Y. And then when that doesn't work, then know what to do with themselves, but they've, you know, gotten all these investors and now they've just lost it all. And we've seen it happen to various restaurants around Houston here. And within the last, I don't know, two and a half, three months, I've had two or three pizzerias that are big names here in, in town that have closed up, closed their doors. And they've been around for, you know, three wow. to eight years and now they're just gone. Yeah. It's sad. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, sure. It's great for me. But at the same time, like if I were put in that position, like I can't imagine how horrible it is because I lost sight of my business. It's just, you know. Yeah. No, you're right. And and um, and we all get in a rut and period. I mean, that's human nature. But you've got to step back every so often and revisit why you're doing what you're doing. Yeah. And, and, and bring that passion. And I, back I, I see the, the one of the things that kind of goes along the same, the same thread is I see a lot of people get hung up on the – I'm going to try and use the right term. But the whole image that they, that they, that they, they are keeping up with the Joneses would yeah. be the best best phrase they look at they go to pizza expo and they and, and i'm always i always use tony gimignani as an example they see tony gimignani and they see pizza rock there in las vegas they see pizza napolitano there in in uh in san francisco and they're like then they look at themselves at their little pizza shop in say michigan or indiana or or idaho and they feel like oh my gosh i, I i'm i'm not as good as tony and they go back and they beat themselves up and they go back and then they, they, they want to be the next, they want to be Tony or they want to be, you know, some other person. I don't want to keep, you know, bringing Tony up. Tony's awesome, but it's like, you know what? I mean, don't worry about what he's doing, you know, learn from, you know, learn from what he's teaching people. Um, but understand what, who you are and what success means to you and what your community wants and what your community needs and what they want from you and, and, and stick, stay the course, you know, you know, somebody in small town, um, or, or blue collar, uh, Idaho isn't going to want you to bring back any of those, you know, um, uh, ways of doing business that they do in San Francisco or New York city, you know, and other places might, but you gotta, you gotta know who you are and what success means for you. And don't, don't really worry so much about what everybody else is doing. You know, stick, stick to what you know and what you do and what your customers love and like. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the market's always different too. 
Yeah. Get it catered to the market. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Well, let's, uh, Mike, I like that. I like that a lot. So let's go ahead and, and um, jump in and learn a yeah. little bit about. So, yeah, so the first, cool? the first question, not to interrupt, but it's so, so I, I was telling Siler this, I'm like, all right, so I get on Instagram, it's Nicole Bean. I open up Pizza Today magazine, Nicole Bean. I go on Facebook, it's Nicole Bean. All right. I, I'm like watching a video on on um on uh on YouTube. There's Nicole Bean. It's like everywhere I look, it's Nicole Bean, Nicole Bean, Nicole Bean, Nicole Bean. So tell who the heck is Nicole Bean. Tell us about your history, um, your pizzeria's history, how you got more, you know, you already told us a little bit, but tell us about how you got started. Why are you everywhere right now? And uh, answer that question for us so we know why we're seeing so much Nicole Bean. Um, well, first of all, I'm really shocked that you're seeing me everywhere, but also that's really awesome. Um, <laughs> so um, from the very get-go, uh, we were, my dad and I and my mom were making pizzas in our kitchen just for shits and goods. Dad wanted to have uh, a wood fire, you know, burning oven and uh, long story short, it just kind of spiraled into this obsession and I certainly did not want to be in a family business. So I opted out of it and about three years after my, you know, my family decided to open it and was very successful from the very get go. Um, they wanted to open another location and I got drug into it. Um, it, it, it was actually a blessing in disguise that I did. Um, I love what I do. Um, and since, since being in it for about six years now, um, you know, from day one of being in the, in the business, I was like, we've got to do more. You know, these, these people are loving everything that we're doing. What else can we do? What more is there to do? What else can we give them? Um, so we started to seek out, you know, some other options. We had to, um, kind of learn and grow. We were, going to the Caputo cup up in New York city when it was still held in you know, small, smaller venues, um, like Neapolitan express up there, um, before we moved it to Atlantic city. And, um, and that was the first time I actually met Tony Gimignani and, um, my brother and I were just kind of like dumbfounded when he made this grandma pizza. And we we're just like, what the hell is this? the most strange thing we've <laughs> ever seen in our life? And it tasted amazing. And it was just something so, like out of the box that we were just like, there's so much more than just round pizzas. And we started to explore that more. And uh, we, we knew, okay, this is, this is what we want to do. This is our, our segue into something different. And um, I went to school with Tony and learned some things from him and just kind of really opened my mind to what pizza is and what it can be. And, um, you know, the more and more that, I kept going to all the expos and the Caputo cups and meeting more people and learning more things and kind of building friendships. And, um, I started hanging out with Laura Meyer a lot. I love Laura. She is, she's like one of my best friends in the pizza industry. And she is just like a wealth of knowledge and she's so inviting and she wants everyone to, you know, better themselves. And, um, so I think the reason you might see me everywhere is because I'm always trying to find new people to hang out with and learn their story. And, um, <laughs> you know, when I was in Atlantic city, I got to sit and talk with, um, Siler about just like himself. Like it wasn't even really about pizza. Like it was just kind of getting to know who these people are and what they do. And, um, 
just their lives and I just kind of insert myself where I probably shouldn't but I do anyway because I'm kind of nosy and um I just like to get to know people <laughs> so maybe that's why you see me everywhere it's just kind of like I insert myself I, I'm still pretty new to the scene but you're probably going to see a lot more of me because I'm I'm very nosy and I like to just insert myself so I'm sorry you're just going to see me pop up more and more <laughs> good that's awesome we love so, it so, we love it so tell us. Oh, sorry. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. So, the name of your pizzeria again? Say it. Uh, Pizarro's. Pizarro's Pizza Napolitana. Okay, from the combination of the word pizza and Bizarro. Uh huh. Um, you guys opened. What was the year you opened? And then you totally broke up. <laughs> we didn't hear what you said. <laughs> you broke up. Twenty. Wait, what year again? Okay. So you opened in okay. 2011, um, and you have um, – um, and, and how old are you? I'm sorry. If to, I know you're not supposed to ask a woman how old they are. No, but. you're totally fine. I'm 31. 31. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say you were in your – I thought you were in your 20s, but um, – <laughs> so you're still, still pretty young. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, so 2011, um, and the, your first location was in Houston? Yep, in Houston. And okay. my uh, second location is also in Houston. It's more like centralized, like midtown, downtown area. Okay. okay. And, then, and are you on the outskirts? Like in the first yes. one, is it on the outskirts? Yeah, it's, it's of kind Houston? of in the suburbs, but it's still considered okay. city limits. I mean, the city of Houston is ginormous. Yeah. So we are still like Houston right. centralized, I guess. Okay. 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 And then, so tell us, so tell us about, you know, the, the exact, the kind of concept, you know, you do Neapolitan style pizza, but tell us more about the concept, you know, dine-in, uh, carry-out delivery. Do you have other styles? And then you can just, you know, I know you have your second location from reading one of the stories is something about you wanted to add more styles. You mm-hmm. know, so just tell us, you know, get paint a picture of your pizzeria <laughs> for us. Uh, we opened the restaurant with Neapolitan only. Um, and it was fast casual from the very get-go. We haven't changed that fast casual concept at all. Um, it works really well. Then in 2013, 2013-14, we uh, introduced Detroit style. And um, about a year ago, a little over a year ago, we introduced New York style to the mix so we have three styles now and we're still fast casual everything that we do cooks under 10 minute time frame we won't do anything that is above that time cook period um so yeah it's one of those experiences you you come you eat you get what you need you go we don't even have wi-fi or tvs in either of our locations (laughs) nice i like that's interesting that's really interesting. Yeah. Now, with the, when you started the Neapolitan, um, obviously in 2011, it wasn't as trendy as it is today. How? What kind of hurdles did you have uh, to come through on that? They did not understand, of, you know, going lighter on toppings. You know, you have this American idea of loaded up. I want supreme. I want all yeah. the meat on it. I just want, you know, I want all this garbage on one pizza. I don't want to taste it. I just want to have all of it. Um, and so that was our biggest hurdle. We had to educate. There was a lot of education. There still is a lot of education, um, on Napolitana specifically of 
you know, this is what traditional pizza was meant to be. It's meant to be light. It's meant to be fresh. You're, you know, you're going to taste every last ingredient down to the tomato that we use to make our sauce with. And, um, you know, some people get it instantaneously. They, they have their first bite and they're just kind of blown away that they, they have this sensitive, um, palate now they're like every last little bit of everything that i'm i'm eating and some people who are like i don't like it there's not enough okay you know it is this you either get it or you don't no that's yeah that's good no yeah and and it's been um it's like you said i think everybody goes through that trying to open up a neapolitan places the education piece of it and teaching the person that's not a true foodie, I should say, um, about everything. So that, that's interesting. So now um, with with the construction, you said earlier that y'all shut down your original location and, and went to a new location. So our original location we were at for about seven years and um, we ran into a lot of issues, a lot of issues in the two years it was just one of those things where in the last two years we were fighting whether we were going to stay in the location and re-up our lease contract or if we were going to move into another location um and it came down to I think Hurricane Harvey was kind of like the last straw that was the last straw um Right before Hurricane Harvey, we were running into construction issues on along the road that we were at. We were in a corner, um, a little shopping strip, and um, there was major construction. I mean, like widening of a two-lane to a four-lane. And, you know, at some points during the construction, there was only one entrance and one exit to our little shopping center, which was very detrimental to the business. Mm. And... Um, We kind of, um, I took to Facebook to our like, you know, local, um, little foodie groups here in Houston and in the area and kind of, you know, made, made a little bit of a hussy fuss kind of announcement, like, you know, gearing more towards me, but kind of making a generalized statement that, you know, if you don't, if you like your local places, if you like them, then you need to frequent them regardless of traffic because they they won't be there if you don't go. And um, after doing right, that, right. we had a nice kind of tick up from that. And then, you know, Hurricane Harvey hit and then things got real bad <laughs> because we had, you know, right. a majority of the neighborhoods surrounding our location that were flooded, not, you know, a couple inches. They had like four to six feet of water in their homes mm-hmm. and they weren't mm-hmm. in the neighborhoods for just now moving back into their neighborhood. Um, and that's a year and a half later. Um, and so wow. like after that happened, we're like, yep, we got to go. We have to get out of here because there's no long right. it will take for, for customers to get back into their homes. And they've spent all this money rebuilding their homes and now they have nothing. You know, they don't want to go out to eat anymore because they can't afford to. So we, we decided, uh, yeah. we decided back in January, we made that decision of last year and we found a spot in February 
And um, in September, we closed down shop and we opened the new place exactly one month later. Wow. That's insane. So, so you went through with going through construction, um, you just here recently going through construction, mm-hmm. you know, while it's still fresh in your mind, you know, one of the things that, that, that we always tell everybody when they're wanting to open their pizzeria is, and this is based on experience, personal experience of mine, Siler's, and, and virtually everybody who's ever built a pizzeria shares the same experience. And I want to see if it's true with you again, mm-hmm. but and, and because every time I tell this to somebody coming into the pizza industry, they think I'm nuts. They think, they think that I'm stupid and I have no idea what I'm talking about and they don't get it. But anyway, um, I always tell everybody to be prepared for whatever you have budgeted for construction, for that to be at least 50 to a hundred percent more than, you know, so if you, if you budget a hundred thousand dollars for construction and you get quotes, you get estimates still expect that construction to come back at 150 to 200,000. And then if you're, if your contractor tells you that you're going to be open in three months, expect it to be six and maybe even 12. Any, any thoughts on that? Or how does your experience go with that since you just went through this? Um, So I'll say this, when we opened our second location, that was a hundred percent true. Like without a doubt, 100% down to the letter, true. (laughs) Um, You know, we expected, you know, six months for build out. Uh, It took a year. Long story short, there's, if you have all day, I can tell you everything that happened, but long story (laughs) short, it it did take double the time, double the money. Um, This second go around, uh, we kind of put out a number. We said, okay, we want to spend this knowing damn well that we were going to spend way more than that. We spent more on the contractor because we had a good feeling about them. And let me tell you, they did a phenomenal job. They were done and ready within eight weeks. If it hadn't been for the hiccup, it would have been eight weeks on the dot. Wow. So it, they that's told good. you eight weeks and then it took how long again? 10. 10. Okay. So that's yeah. not bad at all. That's no, not bad at all. No, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, and, and did you correct me if I'm wrong, I'm going to make an assumption and you can definitely tell me if I'm wrong. I want you to tell me if I'm wrong. <laughs> I imagine you guys stayed very engaged probably on a daily basis with this build out, the second one, the one that, that you got to be done in 10 weeks. Absolutely. I mean, so, you know, my dad who is finally like stepping out of the business, but um, he doesn't have anything else to do with his time. So that's what he would do every day. He would come up to the site and, you know, be on site every single day. Um, but he did with the last, the, you know, the second build out, he was there every single day. I think it was just the contractor though. I mean, we were very picky about our contractor. The last contractor for the, you know, the second location was just slow. They didn't give a crap, even though we were there every day checking on the progress. It was just, you know, just a lack of care. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, it sounds like you, you, you got it. You, you definitely, uh, it worked out a lot better this last time, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's you, you picked a contractor that you felt good about. You, you were willing to pay a little extra money. You stay engaged and, and it turned out well, um, kind of beat the odds. And it's, it's, it's amazing. I see people are just like, um, they're like, well, you know, I don't know anything about construction and I don't want to know anything about it. I'm just going to pay this 
really reputable guy over here, a whole lot of money and he's going to do it all for me. And I don't have to think about it. And then it's like, okay, (laughs) three years later and three quarters of a million dollars in debt, this guy is now filing bankruptcy because he's still not open because he didn't want to learn what he should have, you know, somebody, him or, or one of his partners, or like you said, your dad was, was, was engaged. Somebody needed to be engaged and nobody ever is. Well, absolutely. I mean, there's something breaks down in the restaurant. Like now you have to call somebody instead of, you know, being able to do it yourself and save yourself a lot of money. You know, just that little bit of extra time to say, how does this work? You know? Oh yeah. (laughs) There's been, um, and somebody went round and round with me on this, um, a, a while back, but you know, I, I think you definitely, especially in the beginning, you have to know how to do this stuff. You've got to be a jack of all trades. Um, I mean, I don't know how many times we, I've been on the roof of my pizzeria on a Friday night <laughs> in December, changing out the exhaust hood fan because the motor or the motor, the exhaust hood fan motor went out on Friday at five o'clock. All right. I'm so I'm on the roof. I've got my tools and I'm yanking the motor out. I'm I've got a backup sitting on the shelf. I'm putting it in. And it's like, you know what? I you gotta do whatever you gotta do to keep those that money rolling in. That's right. On Friday night. Yeah. So and some people are like, you know, you should outsource that. I'm like, sure, I I sure could have, but yeah, the guy can be there Tuesday. (laughs) You know, I don't need him there Tuesday, I need him there Friday. And even if he can get pay him. If you could pay them extra and overtime times three to come that day. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He still is not going to have the part. But yeah. but still, you know, I was able to get on the roof and have it fixed in 30 minutes where this guy was probably going to still take a couple hours to get there. And then, oh, yeah. you know, two, so. two hours on a Friday night, man, that's, whew, that's a lot of money. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So what what would you say – well, we're talking about construction. What was the biggest issue that out of all your different projects and all your different locations, what was the biggest uh, construction issue that you ran into? Um, this one, thankfully, we didn't have really any construction issues. Um, the one prior was having to deal with the, the city, I think, more than anything, um, you know, you, the the second location is in a, a, an older building that has been around since 1930s. And um, there was a lot of city ordinances and things like that um, that we had to, you know, make sure that we're taken care of. We had to sprinkle the building, so on and so forth. Um, there was a street light pole in the middle of the concrete, which we had to dig up. <laughs> That was fun. Wow. Um, but just kind of like dealing with the city, you know, the city stuff always takes a lot longer than you anticipate to, mm-hmm. especially if you're, you're not familiar with the building. Um, if, if it's an older building, you're definitely going to deal with a lot more struggles. If it's newer construction, likely that stuff's already been taken care of. Um, but more than anything that was, I think, frustrating was the layout of this particular new facility that we're in because it's a lot more narrow. So trying to figure out where you're going to put, <laughs> you know, a, a six foot by eight foot deck, up, you know, triple deck oven, and then a six by six foot round uh, wood fire burning oven within, you know, 25 feet, you know, wide space. is a little bit challenging. 
Mm. Wow. But yeah, yeah, I, build out can be frustrating <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> Thankfully, it wasn't what, this year. Um, what would you suggest for people to avoid like certain problems that you saw? Definitely with the city. What would you do different? Oh. Let's say with the city. Okay. So one thing that we're still dealing with, um, is <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, we've, uh, we've decided to do beer and wine at our new location. Cause we're doing it at the second one and it's working really well. So we decided, okay, we're going to do the beer and wine license when we move. Uh, we put in the application in March we still don't have our beer and wine license. It is now January of 2019. Um, and the reason wow. why is because we are within the proximity of an elementary school. Based on the yeah. really, really bizarre diagonal foot distance to the entrance of this the school. Uh-huh. Um, and when we called the city to discuss the representative on the phone from the city told us, well, you probably shouldn't have built next to a school. Oh, wow. wow. So that's, you know, that's kind of a hindrance, you know, if you're building, you know, you want to, you know, you want to do beer and wine, be cautious of what's around you. Um, and also construction that, that, that has been a new thing that we're looking at for every single location going forward is, what construction is coming up in the next five to 10 years. Okay. Yeah. And that, that one's been a really big one because we, it was so detrimental at the last location. We were just like, we're not going to be putting in, we're not going to put ourselves in an area where we know that we're going to have construction in the next couple of years. Yeah. I mean, that's a great question to go down to the city and ask. I mean, they know what's coming or what's projected. Yeah. And who would who would even think to ask that? Though? I mean, that that's wonderful. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's yeah. public public information. You can find it online nowadays, which is awesome. Right. Yeah. They they don't. I mean, it's sad to say, but most of the time, the city they don't care. I mean, mm-hmm. they're like you know, I we, we've seen the same thing you described um, earlier happen in in our city here where I'm at. They they widened it from two lanes to four, and it took forever. I mean, it seems like it. It really seemed like it took. I don't know, three, four years. It took, it took years. Um, and, and they, I mean, businesses went out left and right. And it was like, they just, cause no, everybody avoided that entire stretch of highway cause it was a nightmare. And, you know, and I understand that they've got to, they've got to, you know, fix the roads. They've got to widen the roads. They've got to do all of that infrastructure, but they, they, at the end of the day, they don't care. I mean, they just don't care and they don't, really usually make any attempt to try and make it easier for businesses to be patronized. Um, so it's, uh, it's all up to you. It's all on your shoulders to make sure one, and you know, if it's coming, avoid that area like the plague Two, if, if you do see, if it's too late, but you know, it's coming, you better do everything you can to educate and get everybody on board and, and pressure the city to, to make things easier um, for people to get to you, signage, you know, and keep, like you talked about, you know, make, you know, kind of pressure your customers a little bit and say, hey, you know, help us out here. Um, man. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's, uh, there's no other better feeling of fe- feeling hopeless than going through that. There's, yeah. there's not a whole lot you can do if you're not prepared for it. 
Yeah. So taking in those two locations at the end of the day, what would you do all over again differently? Uh, I don't know. That's a great question. (laughs) Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think, I think we've kind of been able to like come around all of our hurdles pretty well. Um, you know, introducing new styles and, um, just kind of creating an online presence, especially recently has been very much a a beneficial because you have people who will come in and they know nothing about you. They just walk through the door because they see pizza, you know, driving along the road and they turn around and they're like, I want pizza. Um, and, and they come in and they don't know what they're getting into. And then you have people who, um, like you guys said, you guys follow me on Instagram, which thank you by the way. Um, but you'll have people who, who, come in they're like I've been following you or I've seen you on Facebook my friend follows you and you know they know what's going on they know what's up Um, and and just kind of having that presence without actually ever seeing these people or talking to these people beforehand (laughs) um, they they kind of know what to expect and I think that having the social media presence beforehand um, Uh or at least like as soon as you start your business is extremely helpful because your customer can get to know who you are, what you're doing before they even get there. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Now with that being said, what would, do you feel that social media has been like your best marketing stuff or like way to get out there today? Or do y'all do anything special secretly that nobody else is doing for marketing? This year I'm like going to make a huge chunk into doing that because it's a whole new channel. People are glued to their phones. I can't tell you how annoying it is. My (laughs) husband and I went to go see Elton John the other night and a lady was on her phone at the Elton John concert. It's his last. And she's on her Facebook, just scrolling through Facebook during Elton John. And I'm like, (laughs) what is going on here? Uh, People are glued to it. It's, it's worse than a TV because you can take it everywhere. You can stream anything at any time. Um, it's just, it's a, it's a tool that if people are not using, like, I don't care how old or how young you are, you have to use it. It's, it's for me, I feel like it's detrimental to your business if you don't, because that's what people are on. I mean, if if you can get an ad out there, um, if you can get an ad out on Facebook and I know Caliente is doing a really great job. I can't, you know, stop reading all these things about, you know, Caliente expanding and, doing all these marketing on Facebook, but it's, if you look at what they're doing, if you look at what Nick's doing out there, I mean, if that doesn't tell you what Facebook can do for your business, then I don't know how to help you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) To be very honest. I mean, it's necessary. And you got to do it. You got to do it right though. That's the thing is, is nine out of 10 people aren't using Facebook. Right. I mean, you know what, what I really uh, annoys me more than anything are all these guys that do nonstop live streams. I'm getting these notifications on my phone. So-and-so pizzeria is doing a live stream. So-and-so is doing a live stream. And I'm like, do you really think I'm going to drop what I am doing at this moment to come watch your stupid live stream? No, I'm not. I'm like, I don't <laughs> care. Like what I want to see is I want to see a video or, or a picture pop up as I'm scrolling through on my own time. Don't make me come watch your live stream. I don't care. It's just, hey, but it's the other fifty-two people that that lady that was at the John. She saw <laughs> Nicole's face, and she told her husband, 
I know that lady from somewhere and I got to figure it out. And she scrolls through Facebook. I told you I knew her and showed her a picture. That's what it was. I guarantee it. Yeah. Yeah. So, but no, so let's, let's go into multiple units. What made you guys want to do that? Was it an ego thing? Did you and your parents want more money? What was it? No, it was just like, it was a point where we couldn't, we couldn't not open another location. Friday and Saturday night, we had a long door for hours and we only sat like 40 people people and we would have a line out the door like we had to kick people out of their tables to <laughs> seat somebody else wow and it, it got to a point where we couldn't we couldn't handle it any longer it was too much we we couldn't hire any more staff where the kitchen was too small and we had a lot of people driving out from the inner loop and, you know, they would complain, oh, I had to drive 15 minutes to get to you guys, but y'all are the best pizza in the city, so I did. <laughs> um, you know, and it, it became so repetitive. And, like, every Friday and Saturday night, we were just like, you know, something's got to give. Like, we need just, a, like, a little bit of something to relieve the tension. And um, when we found our second location and we opened it, we were a little nervous because the first, like, three weeks, every night, for six nights, there was a line wrapped around the building to get pizza. And we were like, oh, my God, what did we do? Like, <laughs> We can't handle I mean, you know, we split the family in half. So, you know, half of us were at one, one location, half of us were at the other location. Um, and, and the second location was so busy that we had to start stealing some of the other location staff and family. And, um, you know, we got a little bit of a release, which was nice. But it was one of those things where it wasn't, it wasn't an ego thing. It wasn't, you know, an, a need for more money. It was a need to feed more people, Right, right. you know, more and more people wanted what you had to offer. And so, you know, you wanted to give them what, what you could. And so we, we may do what we could. Yeah. I love it. Now. Um, so how did y'all have to handle the managing style? I mean, obviously your family's there at the one location. Did you just separate the family members now or how did that work? Yeah. Um, there's been a lot of kind of like interchanging through both locations. Um, you know, it it started out with everybody at one location, which was very stressful. Um, (laughs) You know, everyone's kind of on top of each other. And uh, when we opened the second location, you know, my dad and my brother went to that location immediately. And um, I think they kind of got to a point where they're like, look, we just cannot work together anymore. And so they yanked my husband over and that helped a little bit. Um, (laughs) And then we just decided just to like completely just separate my dad and my brother completely. Um, And so, you know, I went over to the new location. My brother came to the the old location and um, that worked out for about three and a half years. And um, when we started to get this new location up and running, um, we started to kind of make the transition where, um, like, my husband and I were going to come to this location, which we did because we only live a few minutes down the road. And we yeah. decided to send my brother back to the second location because um, he lives just a couple minutes to that one. And so um, now we've swapped again. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, usually I'm, I'm, I'm the one who runs between all the stores. So I'll go, you know, at least once or twice a week to, you know, each location. That's good. What, how, what kind of challenges do you have working with family? And at the end of the day, when you go home, can y'all shut it off? 
Most days, yeah. I mean, like, since I work with my husband every single day, um, I'm super surprised that we actually can work together. Most, <laughs> I would say 90% of the time, everything is, like, really great. We work really well together. Um, and my brother and I are still learning how to work together because um, I'm the youngest and he's my, you know, my older brother. Yeah. So, obviously, you know, he thinks he's right and he's, he's older so he knows better, <laughs> right? Uh, so there's always that challenge, um, you know, working with, with my parents was always challenging because it's still that full family dynamic. You know, you have mom and dad as kind of the upper echelon and then you have your older brother who, you know, thinks they know better than you do. And then of course, you know, as the youngest child, you're like, well, I'm screwed. I'm never going to get anywhere. Right, right, right. Now, um, as, but, as far as that goes, do you... Do y'all look at it as like that's the biggest challenge for y'all? No, not at all. Actually, that's one of the easiest things because, you know, unlike any other job that you've ever had, when you work with your family, it's you can be you. You can be you in the raw. You can tell them exactly what you think. You can tell them to go F themselves. <laughs> um, and you come back the next day or you come back 30 minutes later and you know, at the end of the day, you're all in it right. together. So it doesn't matter. You, you're just trying to figure out how to get to the right. end of the day. Um, but I would say that that is not, not the most difficult part of, of working with my family at all. I, I would say definitely employees are always the hardest. Okay. Work, having employees is, is definitely the biggest hurdle and learning to manage different, different people. Because you you understand and you know your family dynamic already, right. so you kind of know how to deal with them. But it's you know the the external people that come in and they either fit into the family dynamic or they do not. Okay. So with that being that, I mean, what have you done personally to have you done any classes or read books on how to manage people or what's the what what have you found the best way to do that? Um, I mean, I've been managing for so long, um, before I joined the, the, you know, restaurant industry, I was managing retail. So I've always kind of had okay. that behind me. Um, but it's something that I constantly have to remind my husband about, even though he did, you know, retail beforehand as well. It's just learning to deal with different people. Cause you can't, you can't sit there and you know, have a conversation with one person one way and then turn around and have the same kind of conversation, the same exact way with a different person because everybody has a different personality. Right. So I know like if I'm hanging out or I'm talking to one person, I can be a certain way around them or I can handle myself or talk to them a certain way, but I can't do that with the next person because each person is totally different. Everyone works differently. Everyone has a different family dynamic at home. Everyone's got different personal problems. <laughs> they handle stress differently. It's a huge challenge that will never stop. Right. You always have to learn how to handle different people. Okay. Would you, <clears throat> would you say that, that, um, you know, the moment you hire your, you know, when let's say, you know, you think back to that time when you guys were making pizza in your kitchen, you were, you were a pizza maker. Um, mm -hmm. The moment you hire your first employee, you now are 50% pizza maker, if you're lucky, 
and 50% human resource manager now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And then when you start hiring more people, your, your role becomes even, even much more. Yeah. Because <laughs> now you have to mediate those, those new employees together because they may not work together. Right. Yeah, I know. I know. You know, at one point, you know, I, I had three locations, and I don't know. We we were closing in on I don't know seventy five to hundred employees somewhere around there, and oh and gosh. we were, you know, I found myself. I was an I was an administrator. I was at that point where I wasn't three locations wasn't quite enough to be able to hire someone to oversee all of them for me. You know, we, we didn't have that in the budget. You know, they say when you get to like number five, six. At that point, now you can afford to to, to bring that person in. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I was at that 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 point where I, I was an administrator. I I was I was lucky to try and make pizza. You know, I I, I that's all that's all I found myself doing was administrating, and it was. Uh, I think that's the piece that a lot of people who want multiple locations miss out on. They they don't realize that their job when they go from one to two three. They will quickly go from, hey, I'm just your neighborhood pizza guy and I'm in here making pizza hands with everybody. So now I'm going to be sitting at a desk <laughs> doing paperwork <laughs> and dealing with compliance and employee issues and things like that all day. Right. I think yeah. people miss that. It's it's a sucky part of growth. Yep. Now, did you see it yeah. that hard at the beginning, like in 2011, 12, 13? Was it that bad with employees or is it just getting worse for you guys? No, I, I think like you, especially from the very beginning. So we had like a really good crew, but they were always having issues. Like there were always these like little itty bitty issue things that would pop up where they'd be like, oh, I can't make it in. It's Friday. I don't have a shift at five. Oh, I can't make it at, you know, 5.05. They suddenly can't make it to work. <laughs> um but I think like, you know, we started to kind of notice, you know, the, there's certain types of people and I, I hate saying this, but it's very much true is there's a certain, certain types of working people mm-hmm. that they run through jobs on a, a specific cycle. Um, and you tend to see it, you notice it within the first couple weeks of who that type of person is. Is it, you know, somebody who's going to, you know, work for you a few months and then leave and then try and come back. If they're a person who's only going to work for you for two days, if it's only a person who's going to work out with you for a month and a half, um, you start to kind of notice and pinpoint what kind of person this is. And you can usually tell on usually day one at the very end of the shift. Um, I'm I'm very specific on my new people when they come in. Um, if I'm working with them, I'll say, I'll see you tomorrow. And if they don't say anything, I'm like, I won't see you tomorrow. <laughs> Interesting. And that's the crazy part. Like these yeah. people got a job and they don't want to come back. Right. It's so cra- It's crazy to me. It's so crazy. Wow. Or they come in for the interview. They accept the job position and they just don't even come in. Those are my favorite. Oh, that's crazy. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, let's a um, let's shift. We, we've talked about that. Let, let's shift over just a little bit, um, and and uh, ask you. You know, one one of the things everybody wants to know is is what what other operators want to know is what piece of marketing 
is working for you? What, what have you done? And, and so can you tell us what your most successful piece of marketing has been like single, most one type thing you've done one campaign, one advertising piece, one special promotion, or, or it, maybe it's not even that, but if you could say what has been the absolute best marketing thing we've ever done that has been what I want to say, and I, I know I keep adding more onto this question, but what that has brought you permanent growth? Um, so I go back to like talking about social media because I've that has been my thing is social media. And I feel like I've kind of found my niche that works well for me. Um, and I, I utilize Instagram more than anything else. That That's my key is Instagram. Um, I think I've kind of learned my little niche on there is that people like to see photos on Instagram. They eat with their eyeballs. They don't care what's in the description. They don't care what you have to say. They just want to see pretty pizza. Okay. Um, so key number one, don't put anything on there that you don't actually sell. Number two, if you're not a slice house, don't really be taking pictures of slices. <laughs> um, That's a good one. Because people will come in, people will come in and ask for slices, and you're like, you don't, I, we don't sell slices. Like, well, I saw a slice on Instagram. Like, okay, well, we don't do that. <laughs> um, but just making, like, actually focusing in on the pizzas and just finding like the best photogenic way to show your pizza. Um, I don't really utilize videos on my Instagram except for in stories. And I've had one or two people yip at me about it. And I'm like, look, if you don't watch my stories and you don't see any videos, sorry. But people only want to see that still shot of pizza because they just want to know what they're going to order. They're like, I want that. That's what I want. I have people come in every single day. They show me their phone and like, yeah, can I get this? This I saw on Instagram. that I don't, I don't know what's on it, but I would, that's what I want. All right. Mm. No, that makes mm. sense. Good. Yeah, that's now, good do advice. Do you do the sponsored ads for directly in your town, or I have gotten to a point where um, I mean, I use a, a third party to help me um, grow my following um, because I I wasn't feel liking feeling like I got enough from those sponsored ads. Okay. Um, so I, I've been using a third party to help me with that grow and it's working out really, really well. I started out super broad, like all over the United States and in major cities. <laughs> and then I was like, I don't know why I did that. So I've honed in on a very small little piece of where I am um, with specific keywords and things like that. And um, I, I've seen a huge growth in just walk-in traffic. And what is that? Not just, not just followers. Uh, like hashtagging your city or hashtagging like um, like here in Houston, um, there's one like Houston Eats or Houston Food or Houston Foodie. Um, so if you ever look at my Instagram and you see my hashtags in the second comment, that's, that's what it is. I do it on every single okay. post because I, I know so what works. third party you um, use. It is called Social Buddy. Social Buddy. All right. Mm-hmm. And they um, they will assist you in finding followers uh, based on what you plug in. So if you decide, hey, I want people who like teddy bears to follow my <laughs> pizzeria, they're gonna go and find out, you know, people who like teddy bears, and they're gonna, you know, start pinpointing them. 
um, they're, they're not very much. I think they just increased their pricing, but it's like in between like seven and $12 a week to do okay. it. Um, I don't feel like that's too much because I, if I don't want to do a, a promotion, I know I'm still going to have people looking and finding me anyway. Right. Uh, so for me, it's an ongoing promotion. I feel like it's, it's li- at little cost. Um, it's, I don't do like newspapers or online digital marketing. I don't do any of that because it doesn't work. Okay. So Nicole, if to kind of one final question for you, um, well, actually, before we ask you our final question, tell us again, um, what, what is the, the, your, uh, the best way for people who want to maybe get in touch with you or follow your pizzeria? Um, what's, what's the best way, you know, I know you don't want them to have your cell phone number or, you know, your personal email, but, if somebody wants to find out more about you guys and your pizzeria, what's the best way for them to do that? Um, I don't mind people emailing me. I check my email too much, but um, Nicole at Pizarro's pizza.com. You can follow us on Facebook backslash Pizarro's underscore pizza, or you can follow us on Instagram Pizarro's underscore pizza underscore Napolitana. Okay, perfect. Okay. So with that out of the way, what is your advice from your own personal viewpoint, your own personal take, somebody who wants to get into the pizza business, what is your advice to them? I mean, you could probably give them all kinds of things. What is your number one piece of advice that they need to do or understand before they get into the pizza business? Yeah, that is a really loaded question. (laughs) Um, But I think number one is uh, realize that you are going to sacrifice everything that you have to make it work. Mm. Mm. That's deep. Say that again. Say that again. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to have to learn how to sacrifice everything you have to make it work. Mm. So everything. So for me, if I'm, if I, if I, my take on that would be, I'm going to have to sacrifice hanging out with my friends. I'm going to have to sacrifice time with my family, watching television, going to movies, um, personal time, sleep, vacation, everything. Is that right? Everything. Everything. Yep. You got it. You named it all. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If, if there's something you enjoy doing, if you enjoy sleeping, forget it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I love it. No, yep. Nicole, that, I mean, this has been great. We cannot thank you enough for the time that you've spent with everybody. You know, I mean, hundreds of people listen to us each and every week on this and, and we knew you were a big influencer. We know what's coming in for 2019 for you. We're super excited for your future. And, and being another leader in the industry. And thank you for taking and devoting your time. You know, guys don't know this, but Nicole doesn't have kids. I mean, she's devoted her life into pizza right now. And that's her main focus. So, um, Yeah, thank you very much for your time uh, to sit and share share your, your knowledge with everybody. I mean, it, it, every little bit helps. You know, there's not a formal, there's not really, outside of Pizza Expo, there's really, there's not, there's not a lot of places you can go to learn about how to operate a pizzeria. You can learn, you know, you can learn how to make pizza, but 
actually learning how to operate your pizzeria. It's all just the, the greater pizza community kind of coming together. So thank you very much for being willing to share. Absolutely. Well, thank you guys for reaching out to me. I feel very honored that y'all would even want to talk to me. So thank you. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, when you Absolutely. see yourself everywhere and everything you're going through, man, we gotta, we gotta talk. So yeah. <laughs> we gotta pick your brain. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. Well, I appreciate it, guys. Absolutely. All right. Well, thanks a lot, and uh, have a good day, and we'll uh, we'll see you soon. All right. We'll see you guys soon. Have a good day. All right. Thanks. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.